you uh, that you have uh, given us your word. We now pray that you would give us your spirit to speak it to our hearts so that we might apply it in our lives and we might live for you. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Well, please be seated. Good morning again. It's great to be with you. Now, no doubt you're familiar with the saying, you can't teach an old dog what? New tricks. Well, in our house, Rachel and I have also realized that you can't teach an old cat new tricks. We've actually come to the conclusion that you can't teach any cat any trick, uh, but we're determined to try. And one day when we get our next cat, we're going to teach it to like to ride in the car. Uh, We're going to try to teach it to walk on a leash and not to walk on the counters and to not to scratch the furniture. I think you, uh, well, good luck, right? Uh, It is impossible to teach any cat any trick. The idiom, uh, of course, is used to describe how difficult it is to teach older humans who are set in our ways, uh, used to doing things in a certain way, right, how difficult it is to learn a new way of doing things. And this morning we find that God is testing Abraham... And he is doing this in order to teach Abraham a new way of life. He is teaching Abraham how to live in faith for God. How to have faith in God. And God does this by testing Abraham in a most gut-wrenching kind of way, right? He commands him to take his son to a land way off in the distance... And offer his one son, Isaac, as a sacrifice. What an incredible way to teach a lesson. I was reminded of a story of a father who once took his young sons on a hike in the mountains of Colorado. It was one of the 14,000 foot mountains there. And the boys were not surprisingly a little nervous. They wondered, could they make it? They wondered, were they up for the challenge? And the youngest of the two children rarely, uh, regularly stopped on the trail for very long breaks. And he would say this over and over again. Dad, I can't go any further. But his dad, his dad, he believed this test would be good for his sons. And he wanted them to trust him. And so they continued on, and this happened regularly, and they would do the same thing over and over again. And there it was, a mile from the peak, when the youngest son got his second wind. He had just decided that he could go no further, and then he realized he was so close, and he beat them all up to the summit. See, he had trusted his father, even amidst his fears. Now, friends, life, our life, is full of fears and challenges. If you ever move to a new place for a job, you know this. Or perhaps you're having your first child, and in the middle of all the joy and excitement, you wonder, well, well, do we have what it takes? Or perhaps you're applying to colleges, and you look at the one you're really dreaming of going, the hard one, the program that is most difficult, and you think, could I make it there? Can I make the grade? See, these situations and so many more like them leave us 
often full of fear and full of doubt. And our spiritual life is like this as well. God often calls us out of a place of comfort into places that are unknown and unsecure. There are plenty of situations and moments where we want to fall down on the trail of our spiritual life and cry out, Father, I can't go any further. What do we do in places like that? This is what's happening in the life of Abraham today. God has called him from his home, and so he's been uprooted. He's called him to go to a new place with new challenges. God has said that he's going to bless the nation, so Abraham has a new purpose. And God promised, and he fulfilled to these two octogenarians that they were going to have, thereabouts, uh, that they were going to have a baby. And now to his surprise, the God who promised and the God who fulfilled is now commanding him to take that baby and sacrifice him. That's a lot. What is it that God is teaching Abraham in this test? Because it is such an important passage in Scripture. It's so important to the people of Israel to know. It was so well-crafted and so well-known long before Genesis had been written and brought together in the Bible. God is teaching Abraham something that is so essential for Abraham that it is so essential for you and me. For Abraham, when he feels like he cannot go any further in the journey, when he wants to give up, God is teaching Abraham to have faith in him. And today we come to this passage that teaches an even more important lesson. Not simply that we should have faith in God, but he's teaching us a lesson why we can have faith in God in the situations that bring about fear and doubt. And the answer is this. God provides for his promises. God will provide for and God will fulfill his every promise. Now, in some ways, Abraham is already learning this lesson. If you, uh, We started in Genesis 12 last week. And if you read through all the way through where we are in Genesis chapter 22 today, you see God is making promises and God is fulfilling promises and Abraham's being obedient and, and he's seeing the way and the characteristic of God. But if you're reading Genesis 22 for the first time, you might uh, come to the conclusion, as many others have in the past, mainly, no one would blame Abraham at this time if he said, you know what, God? That's too much. I'm not willing to do that. Are you kidding me? Wait, you said he was going to be the way in which the world would be blessed, my son Isaac. And now you want me to go sacrifice him? God's telling Abraham to, he's testing Abraham by telling him to take his son to this land called Moriah, so the distance away, to a place that he will show him and to offer himself as a sacrifice. And so begins one of the most profoundly personal experiences recorded in all the Bible. I mean, you can feel the tension. I sat up here and I watched the tension on your face as Dan read that passage. You were thinking to yourself, could this really be happening? And it is. 
After God speaks to Abraham, we learn that Abraham is actually obedient. And the story continues in verse 2. Abraham gets up early in the morning. Why does he do this? Well, perhaps he wanted to avoid Sarah, right? Sarah, who looks up and goes, you're packing the donkeys. You got a couple of our guys to go with you. You're taking Isaac. What are you doing? Uh, Nothing. (laughs) Just going out for a little walk. Now, perhaps he was avoiding Sarah, but he gets up in the morning. He methodically packs the donkeys. He saddles them. He gets their stuff together. He goes off. He chops the wood, and then he sets out on the journey. He and his son walking together, the two men walking behind. It is a long and mostly silent walk together with his beloved son. Then he leaves the two servants behind. Perhaps he was worried that when they saw him build the, uh, build the, the, the altar and set the fire and bind his son that they might deter him from actually doing what God had asked. He puts the wood on the shoulders of his son. His son is carrying the wood and he asks that question that Abraham's been dreading the whole time, right? Father, here's the fire. I've got the wood. Where's the lamb? How... How are we going to sacrifice? And then Abraham, in a kind of endearing yet seemingly slightly evasive kind of way, responds, you know what, son? God, God's going to provide the lamb for the burnt offering. They come to the place. He sets about building the altar. He stacks the wood. It's shocking that there's no complaint from Isaac as as his dad binds him up lays him on the altar and raises his knife. The story nearly brings tears to our eyes. Perhaps you have that same visceral response as someone in our life group this week who said, I don't like this story at all. And I would understand that feeling. I would understand that feeling if at the end of the story, Abraham actually sacrificed Isaac. But that's not how the story ends. In the end of the story, it is God who actually does provide a lamb for the sacrifice. And so it is the test ends. God's the one who sends an angel to Abraham and cries out, Abraham, Abraham, in order to stop the knife from falling. God's the one who provides the ram in the thicket, caught in the thorns over there. He provides the scapegoat that allows Isaac to live. And see, what we learn in this passage is that we can trust God. What Abraham learns in this passage is that he can trust God. See, this is the point of the whole story. Abraham trusted God. Now, there are a lot of things that have gone unsaid in the passage. I mean, in Matt, if we let our imagination run for a moment, uh, it's, it, what's going on in Abraham's mind as he's making the preparation, as he's taking the silent walk, as he's raising the knife? He must be thinking, how, God, how can God fulfill the promise that he made to me to bless the world through this offspring? How can he remain faithful to his promise if I go through with this action? God must have another way. 
And of course, God did. So why the test? Couldn't he have just said, look, hey, Abraham, I'm going to provide for you. Well, he said that. But it's a way of proving Abraham's faith. Charles Spurgeon once said that most of the grand truths of God have to be learned through trouble. They must be burned into us by the hot iron of affliction. Otherwise, we shall not truly receive them. See, God, early on in the Bible, we're doing this early on in our sermon series, is teaching Abraham an essential and grand biblical truth. He is teaching him that God Almighty will be his perfect provider. That God alone makes a way for us in this world. He alone gives us a promise. And he alone will fulfill the promise. Even when our circumstances seem to say otherwise. Friends, despite any and all present circumstances, you can trust that God is faithful and that he will provide for you. Perhaps you need to hear that this morning. Perhaps you need to hear that in life. Regardless of whether you're thinking about putting your faith in Jesus or whether you've been following him closely along in your life, there will come a time, perhaps it's come before, it probably will come again. There will come a time when you are uh, facing deep difficulties. There will come a time when you will face the urge to give up. God knows what he's calling Abraham to. God knows that he, Abraham and his offspring are going to face difficulties. The promise that God made to Abraham and to Isaac and all of Isaac's children is not going to uh, come to fruition overnight. It's not going to come to fruition this year. It's in fact going to take generations and generations, nearly 2,000 years before God finally fulfills his promise. And so in those 2,000 years, God knows that Abraham is going to face difficulties and he is preparing him to face them with faith. Learning the lesson that God provides is completely necessary for Abraham and it's absolutely essential for us. Jesus, he makes this point as well over and over again while he is preparing his disciples and he wants to prepare you and me to do this, to face difficulties. He wants to prepare us to find our moments of suffering, to live through them with faith that God will lead us through, that God will provide. I mean, suffering would be very difficult if we didn't know that God ultimately fulfills his promises to us. It'd be difficult. It'd be nearly impossible when my mother was dying, my sister and I, uh, uh, almost every night, we go, I don't know how we would do this if Jesus hadn't made us a promise of everlasting life. We would be devastated. God, he is faithful to you. And he will perfectly provide for you. Friends, this is most clearly seen in Jesus in this passage in Genesis, we not only see that God provides that ram to 
take the place of Isaac. But what we're given is this grand vision, this grand foreshadowing, this grand truth of the Lamb who takes away the sins of the world. This passage 2,000 years before Jesus is talking all about Jesus. You see it? Abraham has a beloved son. Isaac is a type of Christ. Abraham has a beloved son. God has a beloved son. Abraham leads his son out to be sacrificed. God sends his son into the world to die for the sins of the world. Isaac trusts and follows his father. Jesus out of intimate relationship, trusts and follows his father. Isaac carries the wood on his back. Jesus carries the hardwood of the cross to Calvary. The region of Moriah, the place where God sends Abraham, guess where that region is? It's the region around Jerusalem. The sacrifice of Isaac is taking place near the place of the sacrifice of Jesus. The only difference in this passage and in the story of Jesus is that God spares Isaac, but God doesn't spare his own son. Why? Because God's plan from the very beginning, God's plan from the beginning, we're in Genesis chapter 22. There are all 39 books of the Old Testament to go, right? 38 after this. God is saying at the very beginning, hey, look, this is my plan. Abraham is saying, God will provide the lamb. And God is saying, you're darn right, I'm going to provide the lamb. And the lamb is my son, Jesus. Jesus is God's plan to save the world. Jesus is God's perfect provision For you. He did not spare his only son. How does God intend to bless you this morning? It's through his son Jesus. How does God plan to bless you in this life and through this life? It's only through Jesus. How does God plan plan, uh, to come into your life through faith? But through his son Jesus. He's the one who perfectly fulfills the promise God made to Abraham. And he's the one who will fulfill fulfill his promise to you. Where's the lamb, Isaac asks. God will provide the lamb, Abraham says. And God does provide ultimately and completely when he sends his son into the world. Behold, he's the lamb who will take away the sins of the whole world. This is an incredible passage. It teaches us an incredible truth that no matter the circumstances of your life, if you are following Jesus, he will fulfill his promises to you. God will provide. If we would but fix our eyes on him this morning, if we would but fix our eyes and focus our mind on his words in the Bible. 
we will face any challenge. We will live fully the life of faith. And that's our prayer this morning, that we would fix our eyes on Jesus. Not only would we fix it in this text, but we'll fix it in the creed that we will read. We'll fix our eyes and our minds on the confession that we will say and the forgiveness that Jesus gives. We will fix our eyes on the table in which we remember that Jesus gave his body for us so that we might live. If he's done that, will he not give you all that you need? Will he not perfectly provide for his people? Let's pray. <laughs> Lord, I don't know what we need today. I don't know what challenges we face, but you know. You know what each one of us faces. You know where our heartbreak is. You know where our fears are. You know where our exhaustion is. You know perfectly what we need. And so, Lord Jesus, I pray in your name that you would provide for your people, that we would be able to faithfully fix our eyes on you and follow you footstep by footstep by footstep through our life. God, would you open our eyes to see and with gratitude receive your provision. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.